coffee when she was here last, and uh, and this possibility of speaking um, on the second came up, and and uh, it's a pleasure to have her here, being able to speak to us. Um, we're really blessed with both Andrew and Jan, and uh, just the longevity of service that they've given to to the Lord, and through us. And so I want you to really open your heart up and um, and just be. be be as receptive as you possibly can. I, I think one of the ways we can know that the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us is the atmosphere that, that builds as we worship and, and are together. And did you notice um, just the humor that is in the, in the house this morning? Just the lightness and the laughter? That's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, just making this wonderful atmosphere. Some people get scared about the Holy Spirit and they think that he's there to expose them and to criticize them and show everyone anything that they might ever have done wrong. But what I've discovered about the Holy Spirit is that he brings the presence and the love of Jesus right down deep into our hearts. And there is so much of that laughter and lightness and love. Anyway, can we just w once again welcome Jan as she, as she preaches this morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I was sitting at the back enjoying the worship so much, it was like, oh, can, we, can I get on with the word? It's just so enjoying the presence of the Lord, and uh, almost sometimes it brings me to a standstill as my brain just shuts down, and I'm thinking, oh, now I've got to stand up and try and pull my thoughts together again. Um, and I'm at that age where I do forget what I'm saying in the middle of what I'm saying. So, <laughs> and this is a very interactive service, so feel free to laugh. Uh, included in any way you want, except for you're not allowed to walk out. <laughs> so for some of you are new here today, um, I won't go into too much about background. Andrew and I were called to missions in the 80s, and in uh, 87, 88, we studied in Tasmania at uh, the WEC International Training College, and WEC stands for Worldwide Evangelization for Christ. And while we were there, he called us to work uh, with a people group, which I'm not going to mention now because of recordings. Uh, but in Asia, there was a people group that we were called to work with. And he gave a very strong call in our heart and also said that we should join WEC. So after training, we went back to, came back to New Zealand, to Auckland, and we did the orientation to join the organization. So we've been part of WEC since 1989. And during that time... Uh, obviously, a lot has happened in our lives. We first went out to Nepal with our youngest child at 10 months old. We were there for six years, and then we were back in New Zealand for a, a few years before we were able to go back to uh, another country in Asia, and we were there for eight years. I forgot to say two more of our children were born in Nepal, uh, Olivia and Jonathan. And after eight years in the second country, then we were called to be area directors, and so rather than specifically working now with a people group, we are area directors overseeing, at this stage, seven countries throughout Asia. And our responsibility is particularly to work with the leaders in those countries and supporting them, helping them in any way we can, working on vision, uh, protocols, member care, crisis management, child protection, you name it, we do it kind of thing. And uh, so that's what we've been doing since 2011 up until now. So it gives you a very brief overview. Well, we're both from Christchurch, and we've been part of St. Albans since we were teenagers. 
So two years ago, in 2016, uh, I was, uh, gave a message here, uh, in the coffee area, actually, before the church was finished. And during that time, uh, I spoke, we were doing a, um, it was one of the self-denial messages, and I got part of one of those messages to share about. And I, I also had a chance to share about what God was calling me to do next. And at that time, the church prayed for me, and some of you would have been there. And so I'd finished my message where I'd been talking about how I'm actually an introvert, and I really would prefer to be in the kitchen doing things in behind the, the scenes, but God has other ideas. And I actually hated standing on that stage. So here I was walking off the stage and John saying, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, we're going to pray for you. And I'm just like, oh, fall through the floor, please let me go. And um, that's how I felt at that time. Uh, just to give a little bit of history. Now, you do have to keep up. I'm jumping around a little bit, but you'll get the general point. Uh, in 2015, my mother was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. So in the March, I came back from Asia to care for my parents, expecting she only had six to nine months to live. And it was a precious time with them, a preparation before mum passed away. But she actually did so well that in June 2016, after further tests showed that the cancer had hardly changed at all, uh, we all felt it was right for me to go back to Asia. So early in the June, um, at this time, Andrew was coming and going. So our base is normally in Chiang Mai, Thailand, uh, which is easy to access our countries. But I was here, Andrew was carrying on with our AD work and visiting all the countries he needed to. And when there was time in the schedule, he would come back to New Zealand and see me. Um, so that began a bit of a pattern of us being apart a lot. I think the longest we had was four months. And... Uh, he happened to be there at that time when we realized I could actually go back to Asia and we felt God was saying this is right. If, if any of you think I'm speaking too fast, please just t yell it out. I tend to get so excited I get faster and faster. Um, all our Korean brothers and sisters and WEC just constantly reminding me, slow down. Um, so we were sitting having coffee one day and we were talking about Cambodia branch because at that time, the leader was about to go off and get married uh, later in the year, and there was nobody to replace her. Nobody already there in Cambodia with our organization, and they hadn't been able to find anybody else. And we'd obviously been all praying about this and gone round and round, and Andrew had led all sorts of discussions and meetings about all this. And as we were sitting there talking about Cambodia, God spoke to me and said, how about you? meaning me, to go to Cambodia. So here I've just done 15 months in New Zealand, been away from Thailand and everything, and I'm ready to go back, and I'm not even going back to Thailand, to our house there, but suddenly I'm diverting off to Cambodia. And we both sat there and went, this could work, yes, it'll, it'll be okay. Uh, sure, let's change countries. And um, we really sensed that God was in this. It was definitely a God thing. It wasn't just a whim or a fancy or anything like that. And so later in June, I went back to Thailand to join Andrew there, and we had one month. And then in July 2016, I moved to Cambodia. And the reason I went there was for two roles, to be the branch leader as the WEC leader of all the WEC people there and what is happening, and also to be the NGO director. Uh, both of them, in their 
their own right a full-time roles. So you see where this is going. The person who was doing it before was actually run ragged from trying to keep up with it all, plus other responsibilities. And it wasn't until I got there that I actually realised how much work was involved. Uh, of course, we work with these leaders. We know what they're up to, but there was a lot that we hadn't been informed about. Uh, and so we learned a lot as leaders, overseeing leaders, uh, how better to make sure that we are asking the right questions of our leaders. Excuse me, I do have a really dry throat. Um, so we got there, and it was like, where do I focus on? Being the branch leader and getting to know all the WEC people, being the NGO director. And before I left, in the service that I was here at, when the church prayed for me, a number of you gave words of knowledge, prophetic words, and spoke into that time. And God had begun speaking to me also, so that I had the sense of what God wanted to do, and I was so excited. Um, he was showing me individual people and what he wanted to do in their lives. He was showing me other aspects of the work there. And so I was just really excited to get there and just see what God was going to do. And the whole time I was aware that the prayer from St. Albans was a significant part of that. And often it would come to my mind. So you are connected with us wherever we go. And your prayer is valid in all that took place during that time. So this ended up being a, this incredibly remarkable journey that uh, I could write a book about, to be honest, about all the miracles God did and all the amazing things. And I wish I could have taken each of you with me there just to see what God did and to see it firsthand. And, you know, we talk about here, we, we uh, pray for people each week uh, and we're trusting for healing and we would really love to see people instantly healed. Um, God works in his way. Um, and these were those times when you stand and go, these are stories that I would expect other people to talk about, but not me. I haven't seen God work in this way before. So it was a whole new journey for me. Uh, we've got some slides. We're just quickly going to go through. And so this is the team. When Andrew and I left earlier this year, this was at the branch conference. So a lot of the senior workers who've been there for a long time had left, and we've got new ones coming in. So that turnover obviously brings a breath of fresh air. It means people are more open-minded about some things, uh, brings different dynamics with it. The couple on the bottom right, the lady with the blonde hair and the guy in the blue shirt, uh, they're from the Netherlands, and they took over from me as leader. So I was the branch leader just for one year. We already knew that this couple were coming in, but they weren't at a place to be able to do it yet. So I took one year to train them, because they're very new in our organization. And so we had this one year of being able to mentor, and more importantly, to coach them through into leadership. And then we had a branch council of five people who were also new as branch council members, and what it meant to, to have that responsibility looking after their branch in Cambodia. So walking the journey, modeling all the way, and it's was a wonderful experience for me that I really enjoyed. So we've got people from the Netherlands, from Germany, from Brazil, uh, from Korea, from Madagascar and South Africa, and France, and Northeast India, and I think, oh, Canada, don't forget the Canadians, and the Germans, yes. So you can see it's a multinational team, right? And so part of that, this is our life. 
right? So this is our story. We're working with people all the time, and that's just some of the nationalities that we work with and when we go from country to country. And each country has their own way of doing things. Now, when they've been part of a team like this for a number of years, we all tend to merge together and end up, I don't even know if I'm saying this the American way or the New Zealand way anymore, or if I'm doing this the Danish way or the New Zealand way. It's just confusing now. But uh, if we can't work in a team like this with different nationalities, then how can we work with the local people? And this is our, this is our training ground, working in teams, learning to respect one another and to listen to one another when we just don't understand. So we've got Germans who are very focused, very direct, very detailed. And then we've got the Asians. And when you're making decisions, you have to change your strategy of how you go about um, making a decision and your processes. It can't be all done in New Zealand way. Okay, so there's a whole host of things like this we're learning all the time. So part of what I did was take time. So I work in the office all day in the NGO office from 8 till 5. And then as soon as I left the office, I'd, I'd meet one of these people at a restaurant or usually everyone ate out. That's what you did in Cambodia um, just to get to know them more. And so it was like constantly going from this plus the AD job that I was still doing, just not the traveling. Um, so that was the beginning of it. You can carry on. Thanks, Bradley. These are just some typical photos. You know, there's garlic on the back of his motorbike. You never know what you're going to see. Uh, you do drive on the opposite side of the road. Uh, houses in the countryside as you're driving around. And Uncle Wat, some of you may have been there. Who's been to Cambodia? I know the Bastons have. And the shoots? No? You didn't go? Okay. Wow, hey, I feel a trip to Cambodia coming on. <laughs> and on the left, one of the things that we did, we were like grandparents to some of the children of our families there. Um, who, there are some things you can do there, but it's not the same. There's no parks and everything that you can go to with the kids over the weekend and stuff. So we had this, these two children whose parents are Cambodian and French come and uh, hang out with us, and we did all sorts of projects together. And uh, then this is a typical street scene, looking down on the street. And you might be able to see in the bottom third, the cars are kind of gridlocked at the intersection, right? Um, if you turn, if you're going, cars are going like this, and you're wanting to turn that way, it's fine to turn straight in front of those cars when the lights change. Yeah, no problem. Um, so when we come back to New Zealand, we have to change gears and think, <laughs> there are road rules. And one of our projects we have called Good Neighbours is two hours south of Phnom Penh, right in the rice growing area, very, very poor, no running water, no sewage system, nothing. That's what it looks like, just dirt roads with trees. And uh, when it's the monsoon and it's raining, of course, everything grows well. Uh, and these are just some of the children from the village. Where that car is on the right, just behind that is where the ch church is for that village that our people have started there. And we also have a, a preschool classes in this, the local school in that area that the local community asked us to start. So we have two classrooms of four and five-year-olds, which impacts the village by these children coming into preschool. And then on, it, it actually sets them up better for their education when they go into primary school. This is one of our Cambodian guys as part of our team, the father of the two children at our house. And... Every few months, he is recording for a radio station doing Christian teaching on that. So he's actually a pastor, 
and he will go off on his motorbike into villages in the middle of nowhere, you know, in the forests in the middle of nowhere, just to encourage the pastors from those areas. He does missional business with a woodworking business, and uh, so that's one of the things that he's involved in. And then I'd been there for about, uh, from the July through till the February, and we needed an, another location for our office. So because one of our projects had closed, the income, which is always, we rely on donations for everything that happens, just money being given uh, to run the projects. The, uh, the one project closing meant the income from that project, we couldn't pay the rent. And when I got there, they were way over budget paying their rental costs. So it's quite high in Cambodia. And uh, so we had to move and we had to find another place. So that was one of the things that my assistant and I had to do. So moving office was a big deal. Moving and getting set up in another place. That was uh, the day we uh, found the new office was the day that I tore my Achilles tendon. Uh, so we were walking out of the office and gone down the stairs and Andrew and I, and we were actually leaving a little bit early to go somewhere. I can't remember what we were meant to be doing. Uh, and we got a phone call from another team member saying, I found a place that could be a good office. Come and have a look at it. Can you come now? And we were just about to walk out. So great. Got to the outside and it's a tiny little laneway, just enough room to get an RV4 through it. Uh, an old one, not a new big one. And uh, there was a few children playing futsal in the, uh, the yard, the concrete out there. So me being me, couldn't resist it. Did a few kicks. And then all I did... Seriously, all I did was turn to walk away, bang, away it went. And uh, so I realised what had happened. So we, we had a tuk-tuk. Uh, hopefully you know what a tuk-tuk is. Through, yeah, right. And the tuk-tuk had come to pick us up to take us to our appointment. So we had to work out how to get into that thing with my leg no longer functioning, couldn't put it down. Because you've got to get up onto the step and then you've got to get over the wooden ledge. Anyway, so we went off and we visited the new office and we hobbled around, had a look at that, and then we thought we'd better go to the hospital. <laughs> okay, and then after, just after we moved into the new office, the lady in the centre, Chenda, she was our cleaner at the office, lovely young lady, and she was leaving. She had found a better job, which is great for her. So this was us saying goodbye. The lady on the left is uh, Celia from Brazil, and she started six months before I got there, uh, which was very good timing in terms of getting to know her and, and encourage her. Um, so, yep. Right, the left photo is taken from our building where we were staying last. So we were actually lived in three different houses while we were there, house sat for six months, stayed in another place for six months, expecting we would be leaving Cambodia after one year, but there was no one to take over the NGO role. And so we had to find another place to live. So we moved in here, and then on the right-hand side row of buildings, almost down the end on the ground floor is the office, the new office. So it worked out really well. And two of our members also have houses on that street. So to give you an idea, uh, you'd be paying around 250 US dollars. So someone said, well, it's 175, uh, 375 New Zealand dollars um, a month. Not a week, a month for that. And they're quite big because they go up two floors. Um, sometimes it's just a balcony on top. Sorry, just to go back one, this is what we faced getting into the office, the big heavy grill doors that you've got to pull open, and then more locks behind that. Um, 
most people travel around on motorbikes and the roads are hugely congested with motorbikes. And, uh, but in this street, quite a few people had cars as well. So this is Punnett, the office assistant, or manager. And this is us at work in the office. So this is the last office we were in. Okay, so we'll finish with this slide for now. And so this is Punnett. So when I got there in the July, uh, it was late July, Punnett had just started on the 4th of July. And he was not a Christian. And normally in the past, we had always uh, employed Christian people to come in. This was done before I got there. And I always thought, oh, this is very interesting that they didn't that time. And he started off just as the finance assistant. There was another man as the, sorry, as the admin assistant, another man as a finance assistant. Then there was an operations manager. And then there was the leader that I was replacing. And what happened in a very short sequence of time is there was supposed to be this handover. And what actually took place was virtually no handover. Okay, so... I had in my head, okay, I've got a whole month, I'm going to listen to this lady, she's going to walk me through everything, you know, because I'm very logical and systematic. And so she basically said, what would you like to know? And, and then I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> I think the, the second day I went home and cried on the person I was staying with at the time. Oh, no, <laughs> what have I let myself in for? Uh, Realising at that point, this was not going to be easy. And uh, more or less, there was virtually no handover. Uh, so what happens, the other assistant for finance, he quickly left for health reasons, and then the operations manager, and a month after that, she left for health reasons as well. It wasn't me, by the way. <laughs> uh, but it was indicative of the level of work that needed doing in the office. So that just left Punnett and I. Now, s many of you have already heard about Punnett's wonderful story, and this was part of that huge blessing uh, of what you had prayed into. Uh, we prayed for Cambodians in this church. We prayed for the release of the Cambodian believers and for people to come to know the Lord and for a new day for Cambodia. And he was one of them. He was a precious gift for Andrew and I. Um, he was 27 or so, when, 26 when he started. He's now 28. And he was just a very gentle, very respectful young man who'd worked in government offices and he chose to work with us at a lower salary than going into another government office. Uh, and, and not as a Christian, but he never understood why until later on. So as time went by, obviously it was just him and me. And each day we'd go into the office and he'd come to me and he'd say, Sister, because that's how you talk to one another, especially if you're older. Sister, how do we do this? Whatever task he'd come up with. And I'd look at the task and I'd go, I don't know either. And so let's pray about it. And that began our journey together. We just, I, I created an atmosphere of we're in this together, we're equals together, even though there was a very clear line for him as a Cambodian that I'm the leader, I'm the boss. It was very respectful. Um, but I wanted him to feel relaxed and comfortable to be able to interact and work well uh, and not be afraid of the white person in charge, you know. Um, and... He loved being with Andrew because Andrew's crazy sense of humor just made him laugh, giggle like a girl, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so they got on very well together because Punnett didn't have a good relationship with his own father. Uh, it had been pretty hard. His father's in the military. And uh, so we were like pseudo-parents in the end with, with Punnett. And 
one of the first things that happened, I'm just going to go into some of the stories of what happened, is that one day I, w- I woke up and uh, God spoke to me. Many of you have heard this story. And he said, uh, take your passport to the office today. And I was thinking, why do I need my passport today? I can't imagine anything that Punnett would need it for and no visas. And anyway, I forgot to take it because I was so busy getting ready. I for- just f- forgot to get it. And as soon as I walked in the door at the office, Punnett was standing there and she said, good morning, sister. How are you? And I need your passport. And I just straight away said, oh, Punnett, God spoke to me this morning, told me to bring my passport, and I forgot to bring it. And uh, so we just worked out how I was going to get it. The next day would be fine. It began a journey of being me and being uh, free just to talk normally about God. And I had never felt that freedom. And I truly believe that was a result of your prayer over me going out. Now, you know, I talked about here about, you know, shy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and sorry, Andrew, if he hates me saying that. And, uh, and this was a new experience for me. Just this complete freedom to be totally normal. God is a normal part of our lives. And this is the normal Christian life, if you've read the book by Watchman Nee. And so that began him learning that God talks. The Christian God talks. He speaks to us. We listen and he speaks. And we work together like that. And so that was just one of many incidents with him. And then every Monday we had a, a devotions. They'd always had them in the office. But of course they'd always been Christians before. So when I got there I saw how it was being done by the others. And when they all left, we carried it on. It's a little bit uh, like Nicky Gumbel style uh, with Alpha of more looking at a passage. And what do we all think about this? And uh, he and the cleaner would come out with the most amazing things from a Buddhist perspective. Excuse me. But uh, it, it gave such wonderful insight into his thinking. And then each time we went to do this devotion, it became my uh, responsibility to lead it. And God would show me every time what I should talk about that day. So they were already in the book of Matthew or John or something when we got there. So he knew a little bit about Jesus. But God just showed me to go back to the Old Testament. Never underestimate the foundation that the Old Testament lays in people's lives. It's the solidness of what we believe and who we are as Christians. So don't get caught up and just stick into the New Testament. Uh, That Old Testament, we just went straight back to the beginning in Genesis. And we laid the foundation of God created the world and everything in it. He has created God. And then as time went by and we started moving slowly, slowly through Genesis like this, different things would come up. And then it became Easter. And then we talked about, well, why did Jesus need to die? And then we take it back, to way back down here to Genesis again. And we can relate the two very nicely together. Because God's plan for each one of us to be part of his kingdom, for us to be reconciled with him. And to know him like he always intended, but because of the fall, because of sin, we were separated. There's a separation between us. And then uh, it was just like, I'm so excited every time talking about it all, um, that, yeah, he could immediately say it to him. It was logical, of course. Yeah, that's why Jesus had to die. And that was the only way for us to be reconciled with God again and be back in the right place with him. Of course, very normal. And then we can bring in another point about the Holy Spirit. 
And I could use the example, remember that time about my passport? And then he could say, yes. And we showed him in our daily lives about prayer and things happened. Since we're talking about Punnett, I'll give you one story about his life. Um, so salaries are not high in Cambodia. And for him, he would have started off at somewhere around 200 and something dollars a month for his salary as coming in as an assistant. Okay, and when it became him and I, uh, one of the major jobs that me and the branch council had to do was overhaul all the salaries. We, at that point, we were employing about 24 Cambodians over our projects and the cleaner and punnet in our office. And they were all well out of date. They were not getting paid enough. And we wanted to make sure we were giving credible wages. So we went, spent months on working out what salary scales to do and how to calculate it all. And uh, so his went up. And eventually, last year, he was on 325 US dollars a month. And that, that was getting better. Um, but it was just one day this year, uh, earlier in the year, that I just felt God saying to me about Punnett's salary and his position. And uh, because, you know, we, we have very limited money. We set a budget at the beginning of each year, and we budget what the salaries are going to be. So there's all this in my head and thinking, well, we don't actually have a budget to increase his salary, but I really felt God saying uh, he should be honoured for the role that he's now working in. So I wrote a proposal to the branch council for him to become the office manager and the finance assistant, and this is my recommendation for his salary increase up to this level with his experience. And not a, they really surprised me by not only saying yes, but how about one more step up the scale, uh, which just blew me away. And uh, so I was so excited, wrote, wrote the letter of uh, approval and all the documents because he, he kind of files everything and, and he makes sure everything's in place. So I sat down and showed him, explained to him what we were going to do. And he's just standing there with tears in his eyes uh, because if I'm talking to him, he cannot sit down while I'm talking. He's got to stand up, right? It's so, right, okay, sit down. Then he can sit down. And all these different cultural things. And he... He just stood there with tears in his eyes. But you know what I did? I made a big blunder. I made a mistake by telling him the wrong amount. I said less than it was. I think I might have said, uh, you're going to get 475 a month. And he was standing there with tears in his eyes because he had been praying. But I didn't know the full story at that point. He, just, he was just amazed. I went back to my desk to get all these letters together and to show him uh, or get him to file everything. And... Uh, and as I'm rereading, I realized, oh, I told him the wrong amount. Well, at least, at least I didn't tell him more. And uh, so I went back to him and said, oh, Punnett, I made a big mistake. I told you the wrong amount. It should be $500 a month. And then, boy, then he really was upset. Um, and then he told me, he said, I know Wex's position. I know we don't have a lot of money. I know, obviously, he knows what's in our budget. And he said, I know we have a salary scale. Um, and that it's actually impossible for me to get a salary increase. So he didn't even bother asking for one, uh, wise man. And, uh, but he was praying. He was praying, God, you know that I need this amount of money a month. Because he and his family way out in the village area wanted to build a new house. The other one was getting really old and they needed to rebuild. Uh, and so he'd been praying about how he could get an increase in salary. And so when I told him it was the 500, he said that's exactly what I was praying for, $500. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were just standing there, just taking the moment, taking the moment. 
Yeah. Um, what else can I tell you about in the stories? Um, living with the, the, the members of WEC and all of those people, uh, them seeing me and Andrew in action, we were like modeling the Christian life at a level that they hadn't always experienced and the level of faith particularly. And if we were praying for something, the tendency of the younger leaders was, okay, we've prayed, now we've got to do something. And the experience of us older people who've experienced and been around the block is, okay, now we've prayed, now we wait. There's a big difference. It's not that we're not doing anything, but God hasn't shown us yet what to do. So we're waiting for God to show us what the next step is, not panicking, not getting uptight. But we've prayed, so of course God is going to work. And that's what the journey of faith and seeing God do things really, really does for each one of us. Okay. And what it did for Andrew and I, all this time apart, um, our international office was obviously very concerned about us and they regularly, how are you doing? You're doing okay. Uh, but you know, for us, it was, it was hard. We love each other dearly. We hated being apart, but we just knew God was in this. And so that he enabled us to do this. We wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but he enabled us by uh, being a part all these times. And what it actually taught us is that I am my own person and Andrew is his own person. We may be a married couple, but I don't rely on him to make me who I am and the other way for him too. And it brought out in us gifts and strengths that we would not have known otherwise. So he had to do all the stuff that he hates doing that leads to me. Um, and he realized what he's more capable of. And the other way around too, I wasn't using Andrew as an emotional crutch. So of course we do function normally and I do still need him, but uh, we, we can function interdependently as God intended us to. And if we're apart, it's okay. Um, yeah, so uh, that was an unexpected bonus for all of that as well. Writing reports I, with the NGO. I have no experience in, in running an NGO. And it was just daily God showing me what to do. I would go in with a list this long of all the things that needed doing. And then uh, I'd get to the end of the day and nothing was done. Because there's all these sudden things. Oh, suddenly the the uh, rental lease agreement for our project up north should have been done two months ago. This is just after I arrived. So handover that we didn't have was on hold. We had to quickly arrange for that. And uh, dealing, of course, with everything in Cambodian language, in Khmer, which I didn't have. So Punnett was often translating for me or whatever needed to be done. Um, so I had to write a lot of reports, deal with the government and government officers and things like that. And he just continually gave wisdom that was, it was nothing in me. And so in doing all this and talking about this with you is not anything about who I am or what I am capable of. It is totally to give glory to the Lord. Because you prayed and because I obeyed, this is what God did. Far more than we could have imagined. He just did all these amazing things. Daily we were seeing it. I would meet with one of the WEC members and just sit and listen, give her a chance to talk. And she would feel free to do that. She knew I wanted to know. And then the next day she phoned me up and said, I left you yesterday crying because I w you just wanted to know about me, not about my work, not about my ministry, but who I am. And that was part of my job was to bring the branch back together and to unite it. Uh, there were a lot of hurting people. We had two couples 
who were ready to leave. They just felt like no one cared about them, no one was interested in what they were doing, it wasn't project work, uh, and so what's the point in us staying? And now it's all turned around, and it's a wonderful, amazing answer to prayer, that God just gave insight, what does each one need? Um, yeah, just one last example of a miracle is uh, one day I was writing uh, on my computer and doing some stuff and there was a desktop computer that I had not yet had a chance to look at. So I had to systematically go through every part of the office, every computer, every file, everything and see what it was and understand everything. And so I opened it up there and then and just looked at that folder and then God led me to that folder and inside that folder was this document. Oh yeah, that's an important one. I might need to know where that is in the future. The next day, someone came in asking for the information in that document. And it was all just God leading. So getting back to the list, so I have these huge lists, as I do, and nothing was completed at the end of the day. And again, by God's grace, he had done something in me when I was still back here in New Zealand, looking after my parents, that every minute of the day is God's. First and foremost, he is God. And every minute belongs to him. And I learned to just hand it all over to him. So that if something came up, I didn't stress. If my list wasn't done, I didn't stress. I knew that God would give me the time to do what needed to be done. And that was my principle through the whole time there. And I think I got the last thing done on that list the day before I left Cambodia. So in May this year, we officially left uh, the time had come we needed to move out. I was still the NGO director, but we needed to get back to Thailand. And then I'd make a couple of trips back to, to the office and do things. And then in September, we had the handover. And I had, trust me, I had documents by the mile <laughs> ready to explain to the next person what they needed to do and how they needed to do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, just thought of something funny as I was saying that. He's Korean. So he was reading through my documents about the process and everything, and it wasn't the process he had problems with, it was my spelling. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Minor detail, yeah. What happened to the spell check that day? Um, I'm going to uh, read out to you what I wrote at the beginning of January 2016. So I was still here in New Zealand at that time. had been here for, uh, since March the year before. This is what I wrote in a special journal. I've been lost. I can't tell you when it began. It just crept up on me. But I can tell you why it happened. I've had no enthusiasm for reading my Bible, for praying or being with God, and I've allowed that to fester. It worked away on me until I realized I was not in a good place and I was lost. It brought out the worst in me. I lost all confidence as I began to doubt myself. I then began to fear everything. I did not like myself, and worst of all, I was deeply sad at hurting God, my Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. There are only two things to do once we realize that is happening. Wallow in it, feel more sorry for ourselves, and continue down the slippery slope with the risk of never returning out of total sense of failure, egged on by Satan, which Sandra is talking about Satan today, or to desire a much-needed change in the current state of affairs. We all go through times like this. Today, Sunday, the 17th of January, 2016, I woke up realizing it had to change. As I thought this, there was a flicker of hope and a small seed of faith once again sown. With that change in attitude in me, God was then free to work, whereas before I had been blocking him. 
I sensed that there would be a message in today's service that would speak to me and speak he did through Pastor Don's message from Exodus 4, which, anyone remember the title? (laughs) Use what is in your hands. Thank you, Father, for hearing my spoken and unspoken cries, more like an inner unspoken anguish, and giving me a tool to push myself out of the hole I dug. For years I've feared that I'm not good enough, I'm not faithful enough, I don't read my Bible or pray enough. I can't keep up with it all. How can any leader be expected to when there's so much work to do? And it's endless. My pain levels are up and down now that my hands and fingers are getting worse. I fear how I'll cope in the future. I fear living to a ripe age and how I will bear it with all the pain and the stiffness from fibromyalgia. I fear what will happen to my children and how how I'll cope when my mum gets worse or my dad when mum is gone. I've realized there are some things you want me to learn, Father, during this time in New Zealand. You want my faith to grow to a whole new level. It's being tested in ways that shows the truth in my heart that I didn't realize was there. You want me to deal with further issues that are bubbling up. You want me to be prepared further for what is ahead, and there is more preparation to come. And how to deal better with spiritual attacks from the enemy how to manage my responsibilities better and serve better. And word was given to me at the time, I was given a picture of being held down by a tangle of vines and the vines were being cut away so that I was free to be me and do what God had. And that was the, what I was dealing with, that tightening, confining, suffocating, constraint of the vines. It's easier to give up struggling to be free than to fight. I had been giving up, and now it's the time to fight. I believe you are cutting away the tangle, Lord, and I give you freedom and permission to do just that. Set me free. Heal my heart. Release my past hurts and inadequacies so that I can be confident in you and free from the past that binds and restricts. And that was my journal in January 2016, and God's answered all of that in an amazing, amazing way. Um, I am completely free standing up here. I no longer say, please let me off the stage. It's like, please give me more time. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Um, I have so much more in my notes, and I knew once I got onto stories that I would end up waffling on, but you got the idea. I wanted to paint the picture of God did an incredible thing, and all glory goes to him because of who he is. Uh, It's not about us. God is first. And now I'm just trying to summarize this. Um, but I do want to thank all of you for standing with us, for praying and supporting us during that time and always. Uh, we couldn't have done it without you. That is truly the case. Um, I would just want to go on to this. These key points, God is my creator. That's what I learned. God took me to reflect on the fact that he is my creator. I mean, we know it is a head knowledge, but what does that actually mean? And I really encourage you, take a photograph of this if you want to, but I'm going to get you to take a photograph again in a minute. God is our creator. I'm his creation. It puts it right of who I am and who he is. It sets right where I fit with God. That is a very good thing to meditate on. Therefore, all my life belongs to him, not just the parts I want to give him. Truly understanding this leads to a very different way of life in the last two years. That's the fact for me but be encouraged to meditate on who God is to you and who you are to him. 
Not just that he loves us, those are the parts we hear all the time, but he is creator God who made us and a plan for us. Okay, the next slide. Uh, I wanted to talk on this, no time, but seek the Lord with all your heart. That was the second part of today. All that happened to me was because I wanted to seek the Lord. I knew there was so much more because God is so much more. What we read in the Bible, there's so much more than any one of us here could ever imagine. So when we seek him with all our heart, there are verse after verse in the uh, Bible, isn't there, about seeking God. And I'm sure some of you can think of them right now. Um, and what happens when we seek the Lord? Do a word study on seek the Lord, seek the face. I actually uh, Googled yesterday, I put in the word seek the Lord. And as I was typing it in, I was thinking, oh, I'd love to hear what John Piper has to say about this. And what came up? The first thing that came up was a message from John Piper, which I have here. So if you're interested in a copy, it's really worth reading what this is saying about seeking the Lord. And the second most important thing in your life after making a decision to follow Jesus is to seek the Lord and see what he does. And it talks about what can hinder us from seeking the Lord. And you know the, the main one? Anyone tell me what the main thing is from seeking the Lord? It starts with P. Yes, Robert, pride. Pride leads to stubbornness. In the Old Testament, they were called stiff-necked people. Stubbornness, pride, will not allow humility to reign. They stop us for whatever reasons. And I've said this last time I preached. If you want to ask God to show you if you've got pride in your life, he'll do it. I've had to go through that. And that's why I don't care what happens on the stage anymore. <laughs> but it really is a journey to do that. Ask God if there's pride in your life. Ask if you're being stubborn about anything. So with the risk of uh, John telling me off later for being really, really late, <laughs> I'm just joking <laughs> because I want to keep going. Uh, we've got one more slide. So if you'd like to take a photo of this, we haven't got time to do it now, but take a photo of it. Get your phones out. It's so one time you're allowed your phones in church. And I encourage you to do this at home. Wait on God. People are not waiting on God. Not in your quiet times. Find a time when you can sit without interruption. Wait on God. Ask of him and listen to see what he says. Bless you.